Listening Dog Media. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. The Offside Rule. We get it. Brought to you by a Wolves fan, a Manchester United fan and a Liverpool fan. Hello and welcome along to episode four of the Offside Rule We Get It podcast with myself, Lindsay Hooper, joined, as usual, by... Hayley McQueen. And Kate Borsay. Hello. Hello, girls. Um, we're going to talk, because it's international break, it's been dark week. That's what we call it at work. Is that what you call it at Sky? It's We love watching the international games, but there's nothing to report on because there's no Premier League and Championship and other football. Oh, boo. It has been non-league week, though, and there's yeah. been some great non-league action on this weekend, um, as well as League One and League Two fixtures. So we shouldn't forget about our local teams. No, and we won't do. Uh, we are, though, however... <laughs> but moving on. <laughs> we are, however, going to concentrate on Euro qualifiers a little bit, um, just with our topic. So this is what we've got coming up. We're going to talk, uh, in a week of Euro qualifiers, we're going to discuss, as a collective, we've done this separately before, but for this one, we're going to collectively decide on our ultimate European... 11 at the moment. Will an England player make the squad for us? We're going to discuss that later. Uh, also, football no. initiations. Hayley's saying no, no already. Uh, football Scotland initiations. Might, Scotland might, though. If they beat you Germany. Didn't, didn't think about that. <laughs> um, football initiations. Um, lots of new players arriving at clubs after the transfer window closed. Um, I, I found this fascinating because I had a couple of conversations with players that I've interviewed in the last few weeks and I didn't realise it was so prevalent because you hear about it in rugby, don't you? But I didn't realise in football they do initiations. They love initiations. They like, it's all singing as well. So I'm, I'm, I'm challenging you two to come up with an initiation that isn't singing based. I've got one. Have oh, you got one? I do, yeah. But it's got a little bit cleaner these days. It used to be really bad, actually. There'd be all kinds of... I've got a really bad one. Yeah. <laughs> if, the, if some of the stuff that went on in the 80s went on now. Well, the insurance companies would never cover it now, would they? <laughs> no way. No way. Not when, you, not when you read some of them. But the back pages of the papers and the front pages probably would cover it, though, however. Um, best ever captains I want to talk about first. So this is topic one. We're going to start off with this. Um, since Wayne Rooney was made England captain, it got me thinking about the best ever captains that we've witnessed. Some of the best ever captains at club level, at country level, whatever you want to choose. We're going to start with that. I will, though, flag ahead that we're going to be hearing from Sue Smith with a WSL roundup because women's football is really cranking up now towards the end of the season and also Mina Rizuki will be here with a Siri at update uh, but let's talk about these captains you may have even gone for an Italian captain anybody no it's gone all silent on the western front uh, so we will talk about best captains as usual I go to my right with Hayley McQueen and start off with who you've chosen well, I figured I would go England because an England player doesn't make the European eleven. Um, so I have gone for Captain Marvel, Brian Robson, one of the best captains ever because people looked up to him. It was back in the day where you absolutely idolised players. They were your heroes. He was skilled. He was great. He started every game for England during qualification for the World Cup in 82. He actually set a record that stood for 20 years after that. He scored after just 27 seconds of England's opening game of the tournament. That was a game France. He did have a really badly injury hit career, which kind of hampered his appearances uh, for England. So he could have made a lot more um, 
than the 90 times that he played for his country. But he capped them 65 of those 90 times that he played, which is quite astounding, really. Um, he was just one of those guys that, that really was a hero. Everybody loved him, played key role in qualifications in 86 and then in 90 as well. Um, was a wonderful captain for Manchester United. Probably a better captain for United than he was in England, just in terms of he was captain for many, many years. Uh, England, his spell didn't quite last as long, despite the fact that he was actually captain for 90 games, in fact. Statistics, though, put John Terry up there as the best captain, which is crazy. We discussed this once at a previous podcast. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to look that up one day. He actually narrowly beat Bobby Moore. He actually won 63% of his 90 games in charge. David Beckham comes third on the list as well. Johnny Haynes and Billy Wright are up there. But as for the post-war era, John Terry won 22 out of 34 international games. That's 65%. So he is right up there. I was so surprised with that. I'd never have guessed that. Good one for the pub quizzes, uh, I think, for sure. Um, Wright, Moore, Beckham and Robson have led England on more occasions than Terry, but Terry had a better record. See, that makes me think I should have picked one of those and I haven't gone for any of those names. Uh, Kate Borsay? I've got a few picks here. Um, when we talk about best ever captains, we have to remember that in European football, and especially on the international scene, choosing your captain is kind of no big deal. Not as much importance is put on choosing a captain of, the, let's say, the, the Italian national side or the German national side as we put on captains over here. When we look at captains, and myself as a Liverpool fan, before I come on to my main picks, I've got to give a shout for Graeme Souness and Alan Hansen, both of whom led Liverpool marvellously. In fact, Graeme Souness sacrificed his friendship with Phil Thompson when he became uh, Liverpool captain. He basically helped the team to lift three European Cups. I don't think you can knock that at all. Alan Hansen will arguably be one of the best uh, Liverpool defenders in our entire history. It has, it has, to, it has to be said. Um, but, you know, he led... Uh, Liverpool to a League and Cup double in his first season and the awards then go on from there. Absolutely pivotal member and they were two characters who, you know, led by example who weren't afraid to shout some of their fellow players down to get the teams performing and, you know, Liverpool played some of their best pass and move football really under Alan Hansen. Tony Adams, this is one of my main picks. You cannot dispute what Tony Adams provided to that Arsenal team. He was he was a warrior for them, wasn't he? And he was well known for this brilliant tackling, brilliant presence. And, and he really set the tone for that Arsenal team. George Graham was a huge fan of his, so much so that he made Adams captain when he was 21, which is a, you know, a pretty young age to be given so much responsibility. He remained Arsenal's captain until the day he retired 14 years later. 14 years as Arsenal's captain during some of their... Very fine days as well. In his first full season as captain, Arsenal went on to win the first division title. Several other awards as well. Um, there was, uh, on that day, of course, the infamous, I have to mention Liverpool again, it was the Michael Thomas goal incident under uh, Tony Adams' leadership in 1990-91. Arsenal took that title. But, you know, again and again, the the uh, awards were reaped by Arsenal and the consistency of Adams and how he dealt with his um, fellow uh, players and teammates has to be applauded, really. I decided to concentrate on club rather than country and I wrote down a list of things that I thought were what made a great captain. And a couple of the things were getting stuck in, 
being vocal. <laughs> and that was a couple of them. Also, I think the best captains have been midfielders, personally. And you may dispute and say, actually, I, I think some defenders like Tony Adams. But I, going through all the lists of all the best ones over the years, I think midfielders make the best captains. Uh, and the other thing that is essential for anyone that was going to come on my list was that they had to have won some big major yeah. silverware. And it's not very often that I do a bit of a love-in for Manchester United because enough of that happens on this podcast, Hayley McQueen. <laughs> also, loads of our team are Man United fans, if, if anybody hadn't worked out via our Twitter account occasionally. Um, so it's not very often it happens, but I'm going down the Roy Keane route. He ticks all of those boxes for me. Uh, he certainly was vocal. He would certainly get stuck in. It's the sort of football, the era that Roy Keane played and was captain for Manchester United was when I love football the most, more than now. Because yeah. I just think that the, the art of tackling and the art of really being physical and getting stuck in has gone out of our game. What I'm surprised about is the fact that Roy Keane famously fell out with your hero, Mick McCarthy. And we won't go into that. <laughs> we won't go into that. I'm giving him his moment. Let's not bring that up. Um, what I wanted to mention as well with, with Roy Keane was, yes, he, he wasn't scared of making enemies. He wasn't in it to be popular or to be nice or to be well-respected. He did it because he wanted to win football matches and, more importantly, he wanted to win trophies. He captained Manchester United for a total of four Premier League titles. He was, of course, captain as well, and this is the thing that just swayed it over other people for me, was the treble season, 1998-99 season. You know, the first time that Manchester United had lifted the European title for 31 years. You said Manchester, you like it. You like it, rather than United. (laughs) Um, I I just think if you can get Champions League, if you can get glory in Europe, in the domestic and in a cup, then for me, you've got to be doing something right. So I will go with Roy Keane. It was a tough call, but given the vocality, given the physicality, given the accomplishments in terms of silverware, he gets it for me. I'm pleased that I was bang on with the midfielder as captain. One of the other reasons that I chose Brian Robson, I forgot to mention, is because Manchester United player captaining England as well, sort of along the same theme as Rooney. Can I just give a quick shout for Faye White as well when we're talking about Mm. inspirational captains of England, of course, and of Arsenal ladies as well. You can't dispute what she's achieved, can you? Won UEFA Women's Cup during her time at Arsenal, and of course much of her time at Arsenal was spent as captain. Ten FA Women's Premier League titles, nine FA Women's Cup, six FA Women's Premier League Cup, It just goes on and on and on and on. So in terms of someone who's got the longevity and the record to back up being captain, Faye White, certainly someone we should mention. It's interesting observing as well, because she does a lot of of punditry now, doesn't she, Mm. when when the women's teams play. And some of the older players that are still involved in the England setup, when she's around, it's amazing that that captain's feel and and she is still very well respected and lots of people turning to her for for advice. Mm. Um, And seeming as we're talking all things women's football, that was nicely... Segwayed in there, Kate. Um, We're going to talk WSL now because it's all getting to the business end of the season and we've got Sue Smith with all the latest. Hi, ladies. Here's my weekly roundup of the Women's Super League. It was Continental Cup action for WSL 1 this week. Arsenal played Notts County and Chelsea played Man City in the semi-finals. I'll start off talking about Arsenal against Notts County. This game was a really close one. It was nil-nil after 90 minutes, so had to go to extra time. Arsenal did come away as 2-0 winners after extra time. But at first, Arsenal did struggle to break down at a really stubborn Notts County defence. It was actually Caroline Weir. It was her first goal of the season that that set them off and set them on their way. And then it was the experience of Kelly Smith who, who scored their second goal from the penalty spot. So I've got to say, yet again, it's another final for Arsenal. 
Moving on to the next semi-final, that was Chelsea against Man City. It was a 51st minute strike from Tony Duggan and that was enough to take Man City through to the final. I've got to say City played a really intelligent game. They managed to nullify Chelsea's pace going forward and then they exploited Chelsea at the back and created lots of chances. I've got to say it was probably difficult for Chelsea though to play this game only three days after their 3-2 encounter with Arsenal midweek. So you think that did tiredness maybe play a part in, in this result? Not taking anything away from Man City because I think they had a, a fantastic game. Just a quick roundup of WSL2. Sunderland are still top and unbeaten. My team, Doncaster Bells, we're still chasing them, but unfortunately we're five points behind now, so we're making it really difficult for ourselves. But then close behind us is, is Reading, who are having an awesome part of the season. So it's still a really, really close one. Okay, that's all for now. See you all next week. Thank you very much to Sue. And it's going to be an interesting run until the end of the season. The title race is wide open. Uh, we'll move on next to topic number two, then football initiations. Um, if you've got, I don't know whether they have as many raucous events in women's football. I'm sure that maybe they do. I've just not heard of them. Go through those lists of all the players that have told you over the time that you've worked at Manchester United and different places. You do the same, Kate, in all the players you've met. <laughs> and tell me some good initiation stories because they do happen in football as well as rugby. There are some corkers. We'll start with Stephen Colker because I actually sat down and interviewed him. From Corker to Colker. <laughs> yeah, Corker to Colker. Um, he was telling me about how he and Rio Ferdinand, when they joined QPR this summer, had to sing in a restaurant. Oh. It was highly embarrassing. I know that both of you have probably found that YouTube clip. Mm-hmm. I have, and I like the fact that they were all in full kit as well and made to stand up on the table. It's quite funny. You just don't think of Rio Ferdinand as kind of the new boys, sort of the old guard of Manchester United. And yeah, it's it's kind of different. I felt so sorry for Stephen Corker. The the club were out on a pre-season tour of Germany, so some German tourists must have been watching this thinking, what on earth is going on? But Rio stands up, gets himself up on a chair, banter, banter, banter all the way. See, and I've no idea what he sung. Some some rap song or other was was going on, or some R and B song. Don't ask me what. And then poor little Stephen Colker with his belly fluff on show again, probably oh. as we know his preseason <laughs> photo, raising the R shirt above his head, showed a bit of belly fluff, which I quite liked for the modern day footballer. <laughs> uh, and he had to follow Rio Ferdinand. There's one person that you don't want to follow. It's someone with the charisma and the uh, sort of stage presence, I suppose, of Rio Ferdinand. I felt very sorry for Stephen Colker. And a bit onlookers as. Well, I thought, oh God, a load of rowdy football fans, all just drunk. <laughs> Lo and behold, they're actually a Premier League club. Yeah. They weren't drunk. They had fizzy water bottles yeah, water as their microphones as well, which I thought was quite funny as a prop. <laughs> well, as we revealed at the start of the podcast, in fact, Kate, it was yourself that said that there's a lot of singing involved. Yes. Uh, myself and Haley have already revealed we've managed to find yes. something different. But it is tough because there's a lot of singing mm. that goes on in initiations yeah. in football. But I think that's why we should just put the spotlight on you, Kate. Talking of, uh, talking of singing, Callum Chambers. I mean, oh. I do feel sorry for these young lads who have to sing. It's, it's traditional, isn't it? You normally sing at the first away game if you're new to a club. Obviously, QPR did theirs on their pre-season tour. Callum Chambers gets up and sings his song. It's a song called Naive by the Kooks, which I reckon he must have only been about 10 or 11 when that came out the first time. <laughs> so he gets up. He's, he's, he's got the standard water bottle as well, which seems to be the microphone of choice for a lot of these footballers. And he sings his song. And it's, I, I, it's nice that it's called Naive because he just looked very <laughs> naive himself. It, was just, it wasn't a great attempt, was it, Callum Chambers? You can find that on the the net, by the way, folks. And Pochettino, how lovely after the sort of frostiness of AVB and perhaps the sort of 
slight. He, I think he can be quite scary at times when you're looking at Tim Sherwood. Quite maybe quite intimidating for a lot of Tottenham's younger players. So he's certainly not afraid to say what he thinks, is he? So Pochettino and a lot of his staff come into the Tottenham setup, and how lovely they decide that they're going to do an initiation song and they sing it. But Pochettino and a couple of his uh, backroom staff were given it some where, wherever they were, um, happily singing along to this Spanish song. One of them had whizzed it up on their phone, and they were all jigging away to it. And I thought, how nice! for the Tottenham lads uh, to be able to welcome their new manager in in that in that way. I like the term. We sound like three 60-year-old women whizzing it up on his phone, jigging about. <laughs> that's, that's probably me more than anyone else. Yeah, I was just about to say. <laughs> um, Hayley, yours? OK, um, as we mentioned Manchester United, I'll do one youngster who we all knew about at the start of the season when Louis van Gaal decided to pick him, uh, Tyler Blackett. OK, they were on the way back from Miami after beating Liverpool uh, in the International Champions Cup and he was made to sing a song, but not just in front of his teammates, at nearly 40,000 feet on an aeroplane over the tannoy. That's right. So not just the team on this flight, but everybody else. And he confirmed that it was a song by Drake that he had to sing on, saying, we're going home. So he said it was quite fitting there that he sung that. But you can just imagine him, can't you, in front of his new manager, who's kind of made of steel, all the coaching staff, the squad, everybody else, thinking, oh, my God. The others were made to do initiation songs out on tour, but his came on the way back. When I was at school, at high school, I wasn't really very good at music, to be honest. And in music class, I used to talk... much else, really. (laughs) No, no, no. Um, In music class, I used to get told off all the time for talking. And the music... Surprise, (laughs) surprise. surprise. And the music teacher once came in and I was talking again. He went, Lindsay, on the chair, sing Celine Dion. And I was like, are you serious? And he made me do Think Twice in front of all of my classmates. It was mortifying. Oh, my God. How does Think Twice go? Because the only Celine (laughs) Dion song I know is the... uh... Oh no, that's Whitney. That's Whitney, the the old Titanic song. I I can't even bring myself to sing it, even though my voice is beautiful. Your heart must go on. I was going to ask you two if you'd ever been the subject of an initiation song. I think yours comes close to that for just kind of a punishment song. What what about you, Hayley? Have you ever been initiated in in any way to Sky Sports, perhaps? Were you made to sit on the transfer ticker? I have no idea. Nothing. No, really boring, actually. We should introduce it into every workplace. Initiate the new starters. At Loughborough University as well, I had to kiss a fish. Oh, well, that explains a few things. Oh. That's where I got all my technique, ladies. Oh. <laughs> you weirdo. OK. Well, one man that I'm going to mention is actually uh, a Scotland international, Andy Robertson, left back there. Germany up against Scotland, of course, was one of the big games of the week. But he's a former Dundee United player, already established in the national team. But he went down to Hull City and, of course, you know, decided that the bright lights of the Premier League uh, were for him. I found this article. I didn't actually know about this, but thank you very much to, I think it was the Daily Mail, who went on and explained the situation. And he said... When, whichever club he signs for, when he went to Dundee United, he did it, did it, and um, he's a, he did it, <laughs> he did that. it. Oh God, I can't even speak. This is why I can't even try and sing because speaking's just a task enough for me. Um, he said when he arrived at the Casey Stadium from Tannadice, he had to sing a song as part of his initiation. He said, "I think that's four times in three years now for me because he'd been on the move, and that's the downside of joining a new club or getting a call up." He did it for the national team as well with Scotland, but he picks. The same song, like when you go to karaoke, I guess, you will have your favourite that you just go for. The first one, with me, it would be Britney Spears. Uh, But anyway, he he sang, not Drake, nothing cool, no kind of R&B or rap like Rio Ferdinand. He said his choice is Kenny Rogers. 
Oh. Yeah, he's cool. Um, he sings The Gambler. He said, because it's a nice and easy song, all the boys clapped along when I got into the second verse, so it wasn't too bad. He said, and everything has actually gone smoothly in terms of moving club. I'm delighted with the way things have gone. And he puts that down to his initiation song whilst he was stood on a chair, giving it large yeah. for Kenny Rogers. Well, I've got no idea what's wrong with me today, but I'm going Manchester United again. Oh. <laughs> no, um, let's go back to the youth team. Um, but quite a way back, we're talking the era of Robbie Savage and David Beckham. Do you know this story? I think I probably do, yeah. OK, uh, we'll go with it. And the reason why I've gone back that far is this is just so great. Um, <laughs> there were re- revelations about this, all to do... I think it was around the time that Ryan Giggs turned 40 and everybody was sort of revealing what their initiations were because back then, when you were in Manchester United youth team, they were quite risque. This is what happened. David Beckham's initiation into the team at Manchester United included him performing a sex act whilst looking at a picture of Clayton Blackmore. <laughs> you know that. I do now, yeah. I think they revealed some of this are stuff you, on Class of 92. Yeah, are you sure yeah. he wasn't simulating a sex act oh. rather than actually performing one? Because if I want to know, if he was performing one, I, I, I think there's probably another person involved. I don't think we want to know who that is. <laughs> he was told that he had to perform a sex act um, whilst looking at a calendar of Clayton Blackmore oh. and all his temp- teammates were egging him on in, in the background. He was only a teenager, Paul Bex, at the time. Robbie Savage said that he wasn't the only one that had to do that Ooh. sort of thing. Um, it actually went on to that there were so many different initiations along this line, like the sex act theme here for the 1991 to 1994 era seems to be um, quite quite prevalent. Um, He talked about Gary Neville having a golgasm. There's a word that we can introduce. Should we put that in our hashtags? A golgasm, yeah. Um, Apparently, players used to be led into a darkened room. You had to pretend to chat up a mop (laughs) and then get sexy with a treatment table while the lads giggled in the background. Oh, my God. (laughs) That's insane. Yeah, this all happened at Manchester United in the youth. Um, Apparently... are you definitely sure this wasn't made up by like Liverpool fans? Do we, are we definitely sure I, about this? I can imagine this kind of stuff happens because, of course, they didn't go to school like normal boys, so this no. was them up to their kind of schoolboy tricks when they were almost pretty much adults just egging on the, the youngsters to do it because they didn't go through all of that that we did at school. Maybe this was the magic formula for the class of Maybe. 92. Maybe. I mean, goodness me. That's why they're such a bonded group, you see. They're very close, aren't they? (laughs) Them and those mops, I tell you. Very close. Very close indeed. Chatting up a mop, I'd have loved to have seen that. We're going to talk European 11s in a second. Thank you for those, by the way, girls. Um, So get your thinking caps on whilst we take a quick break for Twitter Topic of the Week. Here's Sean Thorne. Twitter Topic of the Week. It was the international break this week, but we were gifted by an absolute treat with the uh, Gibraltar's team graphic, uh, which was also displaying their actual occupations. Loved it. Getting that policeman just in front of the back four. Get the customs officer at the back. Nobody's going to be getting through him. And my favourite part was that the bloke who played for Bristol Rovers could only make the bench. What a shame. So we asked you, if the England team weren't footballers, what would be their occupations? Now, some of you have gotten pretty arty with this one, which is what we like. Uh, so make sure you're searching for hashtag TTOTW so you can see some of the 
the graphics that uh, people have put together for, for this week. Um, some of the highlights from Rockefeller's graphic include Jack Wilshire as a nightclub promoter, Gary Cahill's a trainee investment banker, Leighton Baines as a busker, and Wayne Rooney as a potato hole salesman. Uh, high five it. They asked us what we thought of their effort. I blimmin' loved it. Uh, they've made a graphic as well, and they've stuck with the musical theme for Leighton Baines as a mod rocker. Uh, they've had Daniel Sturridge as a pro dancer, Alex Oxlade Chamberlain as a teenage mutant ninja turtle, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle and Wayne Rooney as a barista and not the legal kind. Uh, Chris said that John Stones would probably work in the B&Q paint department. Hashtag John Stones paint trophy. I see what you did there, Chris. And finally, from Monsieur Cravat, he says, One would like to say James Milner would be a good hat designer, but he hasn't the eye for it. I bow down to your superior wit, Monsieur. Now, I'll be back with more to the topic of the week next week. For now, I'll hand you back to the girls. Thank you very much, Sean. Uh, Mina Rizuki on the way with her Siri at Roundup, but not before we get through a European eleven. which can we crowbar an England player into the best eleven that we can think of across Europe at the moment? Yes, we can. OK, well, let's see. Kate Borsay sounds positive. Uh, <laughs> should we start with goalkeepers and do a collective then? Who would? I, is anyone going to go against Manuel Neuer? I can see that you've got that written down on your pad, Kate. Yeah. Uh, Neuer all the way first person that came to mind in fact not just the first person that came to mind when thinking of goalkeepers just the first player that I went for yeah and what we saw of his throw-ins during the World Cup was absolute Mm. genius wasn't it modern goalkeeper really good reflexes within that penalty area top class still only 28 I I did want to throw in though um, Courtois as well as he would be the backup wouldn't he I was going to look at him I didn't go with him because just a slight lack of experience, I think. Yes, OK. So we've gone, we've gone goalkeepers. Let's go defence next. So, uh, first of all, have we got a formation? What are we doing here? Because I really want to pitch for 3-5-2. Um, however, I know that Kate borsay has got other ideas. No, I haven't actually. I've actually re-looked at mine, reworked it a bit, and I've gone for a 3-5-2. OK, so yeah. Hayley? I think I've, uh, possibly four across the back, but uh, it's just so hard because narrowing down your midfield, I'd have yeah. had one at the back and then just yeah. sort of seven in the, in the middle. I don't want it to become a German eleven, but I, I do think Matt Hummels yeah, should gone, be in there. I've gone for him at centre-back all the way. Um, strong in the air, strong tackling, natural leader off the pitch as well. For me, he's he's your kind of ideal centre-back. So whether we go for three or four, should we say him definitely? So we're going to put him in. Okay. Is anyone with me on Jan Vertonghen? Because I would put him. No, I'm not. Okay. No, I don't think so, although I would quite like someone from the Premier League, hence I would have quite liked company in there. Mm-hmm. Well, I've gone for right back of Mathieu Debouchy because very strong stats for Newcastle last season. When you look at his performances in the World Cup, he also ranks really highly against the likes of Dani Alves, uh, Ivanovic, etc. as well, Boateng for Germany. So have a look at the stats, have a look at what he's done. But actually, he is, on current paper, one of the best right backs in Europe. OK, well, maybe we put Debussy in. Maybe we hold on to your Vincent Company for a second. On the bench, that's fine. Well, let's see, because if we go for four at the back, I think Vincent Company we should put in. But in terms of just evening up the balance there, how about we could either go Ron Vlaar, couldn't we? Yeah, we could, but I just think he had a very good... I know he's a good player, and I wouldn't dispute that, but I just think he had a very good World Cup. So, how about another Frenchie? <laughs> Can I call them Frenchies? Now you're into your fish kissing. We can call them Frenchies. <laughs> yeah. Um, yes, I, have. I love a kiss. Varane? Varane? Anybody? Oh, yeah, actually, I forgot about him. Rafael Varane of Real Madrid. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In mm. fact, I would have him in there. Yes, that means that Kate's out- outvoted anyway. Can I, can I just have my vote? <laughs> 
please, for Giorgio Cellini, famous perhaps for the wrong reasons yeah. coming out of that World Cup, thanks to a uh, chomp from Luis Suarez. Um, and I know Italy didn't get past the group stage, but he was very, very good, actually, with uh, some of the best results from, you know, tackles, clearances and interceptions too. Italy only conceded three goals in those group stages. OK, they didn't score much up front as well. But I thought he looked very exciting at left-back, Giorgio Cellini. That's lovely of you, but um, we're going to put Varane in. <laughs> We're going to put Varane, we'll put Debushi and we'll put Hummels and potentially we'll bring Vincent Company in depending on what happens now with our midfield chat. So in terms of midfielders, there is a wealth of talent in midfield mm. across Europe. I have to say it's such a difficult one to choose between everybody. Has anyone got an overwhelming desire for, for one particular player? Well, I just think, has anyone got any different from Bastian Schrein, Schweinsteiger? Because I think he's got to be, well, he's known as the midfield motor isn't he? Highly esteemed in that German team. Um, recently made captain of the German team after the retirement of Philip Lahm. You know, he's he's your all-round, he's your bulldog in the middle, isn't he? Mine's quite Real Madrid in Germany heavy. I've got another... Isco could be in there as well, for one. The fact he's still so young as well, but kind of promising. Well, I'm going with a Netherlands player. Mm. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pitch in with Wesley Schneider. Okay. I think Schneider's a very good player. Um... He's proven. And for a young one, I'm going to go French again. I'm going to go Paul Pogba. You love a bit I of love... Paul Pogba. Oh, no. I just, I, I, I mean, he did stand out in that French team more than my pick before the World Cup, I have to say, Griezmann. <laughs> you did you did better than me. But I still, I, he doesn't make my best European eleven yet. I've got a very German midfield. I have to kind of apologise, really, I suppose. Um, obviously, I've got Schweinsteiger in there. I've got three across the mid there. Tony Cruz, um, just because he scored the most passes at the World Cup, I thought he displayed himself. He kind of arrived at that tournament, scored, scored spectacular goals from distance, always someone that you want on your side. I've got a feeling you two are going to outvote me with German midfielders <laughs> here, but I'm just going to throw in two other non-German midfielders into the equation. Um, given England's opponents this week, how about Shakiri for Switzerland? Um, very strong in midfield. Also, uh, before Kate Borsay can hear us sighing in the background, um, I was going to go for um, Croatia's uh, Perisic. I thought he was very, very good at the World Cup. Probably not standout for me, but then... Mm. Not in the, maybe not in the ultimate 11. I'm just trying to vary yeah. it up. So who should we have? Should we have Schneider? Because you, cause, yeah. because you want Schneider. Hayley, who would you like in there above anyone else? Apart from the fact that Wales weren't involved during yeah. the summer, yeah. I would really like Gareth... Gareth Bale. Yeah. I just think club form, the fact that Wales, yes, they, they didn't perform, but they qualified. I think he'll really come into his own. And now the stats are showing um, just how strong and how much better he's got since leaving uh, Tottenham, which is just quite incredible. I, I think you just have to have him in there. And I quite like to see him just because of the fact mm. that it's nice to have a Wales player in there. And is this the area where we can crowbar an England player in? Would Raheem Sterling get in this side? I have, yeah. Now I've gone for a 3 5 2. So my three across the middle were Tony Cruz, Marco Royce, Bastion. Schweinsteiger. Then I'd gone on the wing, on the right wing for Arjun Robin. Who I, you think you've got to have him in there. Mm. On the left wing, I've gone for Ronaldo. Then I've gone for Sterling, and I've gone for a bit of a surprise choice up front. But I'll leave that for now. So midfield, who are we deciding on? As our collective, let's go for Gareth Bale. That was Haley's. Okay. Do we go? Would you have Robin and Schneider? I think Robin's actually better than Schneider. Would we go Robin over Schneider? Yeah. I know I put Wesley Schneider yeah, forward. I think I, I think I would personally. Let's go, Robin. Then Schneider's had his day, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah. Um, then we've got so my other um, suggestions: Marco Royce, Bastian Schweinsteiger, Tony Cruz. You've plumped and looked at Shakiri, Perisic, Isco. You've also mentioned Haley. We've, we've two of us have mentioned Sterling. So should we put Sterling in there? Shall we have an England presence? Well, he's part of my forward actually, rather than my wing. 
He's part of my front two. Oh. Really? Well, I've slotted him just behind my striker. Yeah. I know he can play on the wing, and I know he's been doing that for England because he's been accommodating Wayne Rooney, hasn't he? But I, I've, I, I, maybe I've crowbarred him in a bit. I don't know. I guess we've got to put Ronaldo in. Yes. He comes up front for me alongside Ibrahimovic. That's how I would oh, have okay. that. That's what I would See, I've gone Ibrahimovic. See, we have to talk about strikers as well now. Ibrahimovic, yeah. have we all gone for that? Uh, no, I've actually gone for Balotelli. Oh, my life. <laughs> Is that since he joined Liverpool? Um, I, I'm i not a massive fan of what poss- could possibly happen off the field with Balotelli and Liverpool. I've been really vocal about that on Twitter. So I'm not his biggest fan, and I think we could probably do without all, all the furore. But do you know what? On paper... He, he's a terrific striker. He performs so well for Italy on an international level. Ultimate European eleven. Actually, I think on skill and talent, I think, yes, I think he could well be up there. No, I'm out. can we outvote here? I think it is interesting. I think it's good to be able to argue the point. I probably wouldn't have him in there, but I think we're just going to have to see what happens over the course of the next few weeks. But as it stands right now, I possibly wouldn't. But I, I like your positivity, Kate. Thanks. <laughs> Um, let, let's get Ibrahimovic in there. Let's get Ronaldo in there. Let's see how our formation's working out with and, this. And what about Sterling? Because I think yeah. amongst all this yeah. class, let's have some excitement in there, yeah? OK, and so we've got an England Sterling. player. So at the moment, we've got three across the back. We've got, it, it depends how you set this all out. But at the moment, across midfield, you've got Arjun Robin, Gareth Bale, you've got Ronaldo in there somewhere, Sterling in there some, somewhere, and... and uh, Ibrahimovic up front. Are we down a player? We've got one player. We can bring mm-hmm. in one German to midfield. And I think we go with what Haley suggested is a 3 5 2. And we'll go Ronaldo and Ibrahimovic up front, shall we? Okay. Yeah, I think so. Well, one of the stats that stood out, I haven't got too many stats on the rest of these players. I just, if a name popped into my head, that's who I quite fancied. Uh, but um, I tweeted Ibrahimovic has now scored a goal in every single minute of a football match. So every minute for one, right up until the 90th minute. In actual fact, he scores so many important winning goals right when it's needed he can step up in the 90th minute plus so in added time in that injury time he scored 25 goals we've gone for a very attacking midfield here girls Um, we've got Iron Robin we've got Sterling we've got Ronaldo and Ibrahimovic up front we've got Gareth Bale I think we need some sturdiness somewhere we need a leader and I'm going to go back to Bastian Schweinsteiger (laughs) because we need some glue for this folks yeah I submit who would be our captain Schweinsteiger. All over oh, yeah. Schweinsteiger. Okay, that's it then. Well, if you've got any other theories on that or you'd like to get in touch at Offside Rule Pod on Twitter, let us know your thoughts. Uh, you can also get in touch via our website, offsiderulepodcast.com. Whilst you're there, have a read of a few articles. Uh, we're going to go over to Mina Rizuki now for all things Syria. She's going to give us an update of what's been happening in recent days and weeks. Finally, the Italian football season has started again and it's expected to be a good one. Without Antonio Conte, the country is eager to see whether Juventus can continue to dominate. Based on the first match, Juve looked good. And I mean really good. Shockingly, they only scored the one goal, but they were hungry, fluid and most importantly, excellent in possession. Meanwhile, Roma fought for a win against tough opposition, producing the kind of football that for many have made them favourites for the title this season. Can they do it? Napoli also won but missed out on the Champions League and the tabloids are having a field day writing on the presumed problems at the club. According to rumours, heavily denied by the team, Rafa Benitez went AWOL last week, reportedly due to a broken rapport with the club. Napoli insists Rafa, incidentally the highest paid coach in Serie A, simply took some days off to rest with his family in Liverpool. Hmm. As for the national team, two games under Conte resulted in two comprehensive wins. We expected nothing less. That's all for now. Ciao.
Thank you to Mina. Uh, we're going to be back next week. Do we reveal that we're going to have some new shows coming as well? I think we do. Go on then, Kate. <laughs> well, as of next week, for every European Champions League, Europa League match week, we are going to be producing two extra podcasts, special European podcasts. H2C are jumping on board to help us out with this as well. And you'll get a preview show and a review show every single European Champions League or Europa League match week until Christmas. And we know that Hayley McQueen's all over Champions League. You love mm. your Champions League, so you're going to be inputting loads onto this. Yeah, hopefully, and it'll form part of my research for Sky Sports in the build-up so I can plug the <laughs> games that we have showing uh, that weekend it'll be these podcasts are great because we can have a really good chat and discuss things but there'll be loads of stats fun quirky things that we find out that you could possibly steal and tweet yourself and maybe things that you hadn't thought about mm. and we'll be bringing out ones to watch and key players and bringing up a bit of history as well but keeping it short punchy snappy not the usual half an hour but we'll just make it great so if you're on your way to work and you want to get a bit of information about the Champions League and don't have time to, to tune into the telly you've got 20 minutes of us three bringing you bang up today with everything you need to know We've also got a new European football page on our website, which will be uh, bumped up uh, with lots of blogs as we approach the first match week next week. And you're going to be hearing more from our European Roundup reporters as well. So Mina, Law, Rhiannon, Kate Partridge will be doing a general European Roundup for us and we'll have a new Bundesliga expert. So they're going to be leaving our main podcast and coming to our Euro podcast instead. That's it. You've covered it all. There are going to be uh, competitions as well along the way. That's all I need to pitch in with. A few tickets here and there. Keep an eye on things and goodbye for now. The female take on football. 